0: Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm from sunny California, and now I'm living in beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Alex.
1: Hello, everybody. My name is Alex Shur. I am from the northeast part of China, and I'm speaking to Jason and every one of you from Beijing, China, today.
0: You know, recently I was living in Wuhan yeah. and uh, I'm trying to get the tones for that, you know, because I, I worry because in English it doesn't matter. I can say Wuhan, 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 Wuhan yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But in, in Chinese, it's like, oh, what's that place? You
1: actually <laughs> do it very perfect every Ooh. time.
0: I was mm. getting to know the town because my wife and I, we're thinking about retiring there. It's a beautiful city. So that's like our, our retirement home city place. We want to go live someday. Mm. And I got to travel around and you know yeah. how much I love Jianghan Han Walking Street because because I've talked about it a million times.
1: You only talk about it, like, every episode. I found a new place. There are some
0: really cool places. There's Valley Optic Square, okay. which is great, and there's, like, the Walking Street I just mentioned, uh-huh. whose name I should not mention on the show anymore. And there's a so bunch of other really cool places. There's Turtle Mountain, <laughs> and but one place... Oh, they also have Mulan Mountain, by the way, which I am told... In
1: Wuhan, wow. Which I
0: was told is not actually the mountain that Mulan is, comes from, and I'm confused and angry, <laughs> and actually, I'm gonna find out if it's true or not, because <laughs> (laughs) She's got to be from somewhere, even if she's mythological or whatever, there was probably like, anyways, I'm way
1: off point. (laughs) I mean, it could be about the, the flower and instead of the person. (laughs) Yeah. The, there's a flower called Mulan flower and that could be what the mountain is named Mm off. Sure. I knew that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure you did know everything that's in Wuhan because you're such a representative (laughs) of what Wuhan is for us and for the, all of our listeners across the globe. Okay. That's a big lie now. (laughs) Jason, no, Jason knows everything for okay, sure. So
0: near Jianghan Walking Street, <laughs> mm. further north about, mm, I want to say a kilometer, mm. uh, maybe slightly less. There is another street. It's called Li Huangpi. And I probably I do not know the tones for that. So I've definitely ruined that one. <laughs> yeah. But it is an old quarter. So, OK, firstly, uh-huh. Jiang, Jianghan Walking Street is part of the old colonial quarter of Wuhan. So that means mm-hmm. the Europeans that came in, the English and others, they set up like a, a trading house and and like several embassies and like, you know, different hotel blocks for themselves and stuff, mm. created a whole quarter. But north at the north end of this, mm. further north from Jianghan Walking Street, is this place called Li Pi, And it is a former <laughs> French kind of area, although there are flags flying there that are Italian. What it has essentially uh-huh. become is Europe Town. Oh. So, yeah, in America, a lot of people, and I saw this in TV shows, including Better Call Saul, people often make jokes. Do you think people in China are having American food when we say we're going to go have Chinese? <laughs> Actually, you know, there is a Chinatown in the West. Yeah. This is kind of like a Europe town. So when you go there, there are all these brick buildings that are from like 200 years ago that look that are literally in colonial style because they are yeah. colonial buildings. And uh-huh. they have pillars and like there are cafes there where they have many tables outside and like they have really nice cappuccinos. The best cappuccino I have ever had in China was at a place called... Big Stint. Passing yeah. by... Ca- no, 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 no. It's not it, There is no comparison to any place in Beijing. There's one wow. Beijing I've been to, like all the major cafes, and like no, there's not a comparison if you go to this place first, I was actually making a video. Let me tell the story. It's called passing by cafe. Yeah. It's in this place. And I, my wife and I were filming. She films me. She's kind of produces my vlogs and stuff. Yeah. So I sit down in passing by cafe and I, I order a cappuccino and I'm sitting outside trying to look all French. Yeah. And there's an Italian, a big Italian uh-huh. flag there. And I, I pick up the cappuccino that they bring me and I say, wow, uh-huh. I heard this cappuccino <laughs> is really good. And I, I, I taste uh-huh. it. And I, it literally is like nothing, nothing I've had in Asia. I was, oh my gosh, and I. I I was like, in the video, this is really, really good. You know, I say that about a lot of stuff, but it really, really, really is. It was remarkable. My <laughs> wife's going to hear this uh, podcast later. Yeah, absolutely. This episode? But yeah. I literally started sneaking there when my wife didn't know. Ooh. I would say, Summer, I'm going to go to, um, you know, this part of the city to take photos and I packed But you're my actually
1: can't. going to get the cappuccino.
0: Obviously, I can't lie, lie. So I would, I go, I would go around and take photos for an hour <laughs> and then I would sit down at this cafe and enjoy this cappuccino like once every Couple weeks in a way it
1: almost <laughs> forces you to work more because you have to make sure that it doesn't come off as a total lie. You have to come up with some work <laughs> on your on your little trip to that coffee shop. Hey, it's actually productive. Um, in addition
0: to that, you walk around. There's a few blocks of this where there's all these like Italian flags and like mm. it's, a lot of the neighborhood is actually in French. Signs are in Chinese and French, not in Chinese and English. Mm-hmm. People there, so Chinese folks go there with big cameras <laughs> and like very tall, modely types, and they're like. All, all dressed up people are using this area as a backdrop to take photos and and look and be cool for their social media their vlogs and their i i guess instagrams and stuff it's
1: like an insta insta i've never seen
0: as many cameras in wuhan as i did in this (laughs) one neighborhood where it's just like people every block you go there you see three people carrying a really nice big camera there like, I have to look it up. Yeah, so, yeah, this is the place. And it's not far from Jianghan walking street. So if you wanted to turn one day, you could do the whole like area. Actually, you could walk from one to the other. Not it's not too far. And they're little mm. they're little uh, art galleries where they sell like original oil paintings and yeah. the whole community. It's huge. It's, it's just a massive area and it's beautiful. And I thought it's really interesting because, yeah, there are Europe towns in China. Or like, you know, Western town or whatever. I guess Sanly Tune to some extent used to be kind of like a West. It's not really anymore. It's more like just a giant, amazing mall with lots of bars in it. But it used to be kind of like a Western area ish kind of sort of place.
1: Yeah. I mean, it still has some of the most loved Italian restaurants or some other kind of uh, foreign establishments in the the food and beverages industry. Still, like in terms of if you walk around that Nali patio area still feels a little exotic but again there are other neighborhoods not just sanito and mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm, like the mm-hmm. korean part of it where there's so many korean restaurants in wangjing mm-hmm, yeah, yeah and then apparently in the, the the mysterious wonderland of shunyi there are so many uh really good restaurants but because they're so far away from where i live i'd never ventured out to that area mm. but apparently that's what it's like over there like to the northeast of the city mm. so still a lot more neighborhoods to explore and when i was traveling in um uh nanning uh, the city of nanning from in in guangxi because it's so close to southeast asia as the center of the ASEAN conference, they actually have a neighborhood that's very close to what you were just describing, but it's like Mm. Southeast Asian country-focused. Like there's a small group of building and this is the the Filipino culture uh, community. And then there Mm, is the mm, Thai mm, culture mm. community and Malaysian culture community. And then like in each of these communities the buildings are built like to make you feel like you are in that country and of course there's the cuisine that goes with this
0: is what I find fascinating that's what really why I want to talk about it today is that Mm. If you go to um, San Francisco, you have Japantown Mm. and you have Chinatown Mm. and you have a place called North Beach, which is kind of like a little Italy sort of place where they have a lot of Italian restaurants Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so this is uh, kind of ubiquitous around the world that people like being immersed in a different aesthetic and a unique aesthetic. And I want to talk about Wuhan specifically because I have a couple of other experiences there. They have a... Place called Wuhan Flower Gallery. And it's like a huge, massive <laughs> series of fields. It's as yeah. big as Disneyland. But it's mostly just like flowers everywhere. And in the middle of it, there is a little French villa that is like, you know, it looks just like you're in like a village in, you know, France in the 1960s or something where it's Uh it's little tiny cafes and they're selling like French coffee and stuff. And you can take pictures with your with a big clock tower and things like that. Mm. My mom, she lives in a town called Oakdale, California. Oh, Oakdale is called the cowboy capital of the world mm. uh, by themselves. I don't know if anyone else calls them. That, <laughs> but they definitely like to. And what they have is like an old cowboy town that so like in Oak, parts of Oakdale, it's meant to look like an old cowboy town. And nearby, there's a place called. Knight's Ferry, which is a place where there's a covered bridge and there's places you can go pretend you're panning for gold and you Mm. can literally buy like rabbit's feet on like a Mm. keychain. So I I don't know how people feel about that. I know veganism and vegetarian are taking over. That probably sounds (laughs) inhumane and brutal to a lot of people. But like (laughs) you can go there, you dress up as a cowboy, you take pictures, black and white photos, and it's kind of like that. And I think this is a really interesting thing to note about that China has this sort of mentality too so like yeah you're in the states you definitely can go be a a cowboy or you can you go to chinatown and you eat at a chinese restaurant and you buy some trinkets that make you feel uh like you're immersed in china and and you maybe bring those home and remember your exciting trip to chinatown because you can't Mm. maybe really go to china so easily right but in china they have the same reverse um, aesthetic where there are places you can go to pretend you're in France or to pretend you're <laughs> in America or to pretend you're in Or Italy.
1: Greece.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I th- I find it really, really fascinating and interesting. And actually, one of the buildings in the old summer palace, Yuanming Yuan, Yeah was a gift from an Italian architect. <laughs> that building was is destroyed now, yes. famously, and it, it represents like a, a whole mm-hmm. other thing, the a remembrance of what the imperial powers did to China because they destroyed this architectural structure and the entire yes. area around it, which was said to by some people to be the most beautiful garden in the world, more beautiful than Versailles. So, mm. But that, that was an Italian building, the, the famous one that they show in all of the pictures, yeah. inside of... Yuan Ming Yuan. So like even, you know, 150 years ago, they were playing, you know, Europe cosplay. (laughs) I know. I guess
1: it's never it's always been true in human history that you sort of long for what you don't know, because it has that kind of mysteriousness. Mm -hmm. And I guess that is going to always stay with us and it's part of our curiosity for the world yeah
0: so you've been to california obviously have you ever been to a place called sacramento
1: i did not go to sacramento unfortunately so i i I guess so
0: (laughs) i can't mention oakdale without mentioning this place called old sac old sacramento so in the heart of sacramento on the river there's a place called old sacramento Mm -hmm. and it's actually sorry oakdale a lot better than oakdale in terms of (laughs) being in a cowboy town so you go in and the streets are literally like dirt yeah and it's in the middle of a, I wouldn't say a major metropolitan area. Uh-huh. Sacramento's kind of not, it's kind of like a big city, small city kind of feel. I don't know why it's the capital of California. It never made sense to me. It should be San Francisco or Los Angeles or San Diego or something. You would think, right? Right. Anyways, I guess it doesn't matter which city's the actual capital. But inside Old Sac, you have like old ice cream parlors. So you go into this like wooden building that looks like a saloon and inside they have like, they sell ice cream, but that big wooden bear. It looks like something you would see in Disneyland or Mm. whatever where it's everything is done up in an old style. And the people there are dressed in like, I guess, plaid, (laughs) (laughs) plaid and jeans. And like, you know, they have they actually have a saloon and restaurants and like the whole entire streets that way. Yeah. And they have horse horse and carriage and you can take it and all that's very, very quirky kind of thing. And people go there for that reason. It's a a major tourist attraction for Sacramento. Uh This place, Old old Sax, Old Sacramento, where the people can go and you can buy like newspapers that are like yellowy all kinds you know whatever you could imagine uh, that is associated with cowboys you could buy your big bucket, (laughs) bucket hat and all that stuff there but you know I wanted to talk about the aesthetics, like in terms of like what we've seen in China, because I think a lot of people in America and Europe would be curious about yeah. what kinds of things Chinese folks see as a unique aesthetic. I
1: guess we need to think about which type of which group of Chinese folk you're thinking about. And then when you think about China overseas, if you've never been here or if you've never seen a photo from someone that you personally know when they visit China, they're not going to you're not going to have kind of the idea of what Chinese people want, let alone what they think is unique when it comes to aesthetics i guess we have a really wide range of i mean yes there are you know all of the ancient the, the european looking compounds communities whatever that we just talked about mm-hmm. of course that's like imported but even within the you know mm-hmm. within china because there's such a variety mm-hmm. of ethnic uh, culture Mm -hmm. even chinese buildings themselves if you go to a different part you'll be like oh i think that looks like um i guess that reminds me of somewhere in southeast asia because you know these villages are not as popular as tourist uh, destinations Mm -hmm. as Mm -hmm. like for example thailand or the philippines uh where a lot more westerners would go travel but it, ha- it does have a kind of like a cultural export power on the the final shape of what architecture looks like in some of the Southeast cult- Southeast Asian country regions. how
0: many um, ethnic groups are there in China? 56, 50
1: 56 ethnic groups in total, but one of them is the Han group, and we kind of count that because that, that one, the Han group has the biggest number of people. The largest number of people. So we call the other 55 the ethnic minority groups. Um, and those are the groups that all the each of them has their own different aesthetics, different style of architecture. And they, they kind of blend. We all it's like a big, beautiful blending space and you know how like people like to talk about America being the melting pot I was always like oh well we kind of have more <laughs> we have more like homegrown differences that we learn from and uh, we, we just grow up with. when we're
0: talking about aesthetics you so, know one of the things that you uh, if you are from the meow people am I saying that right yeah then you can yes. wear your special costumes I don't yeah. want to say costume because that makes it feel like it's not a, it's thi- for show. It's a clothes traditional clothes Clothing, yeah. traditional attire, yeah. and with what comes with this huge head uh, ornament, ornament for yeah. females. I'm not sure what males wear, but I see a lot of women who are uh, Yunnan and from this group. They wear this sometimes to special yeah. occasions. When I was in Shanghai at a huge business meeting, a woman dressed up like this for one of the, the one of the days. Everyone else yes. is wearing like suits and stuff, and she dressed like this. People took turns taking pictures with her, yeah, because us. it was like, wow, <laughs> she looks so amazing.
1: I know it's the subtle differences between because Yunnan. Even and is home to, I think, over thirty five something ethnic minority groups. Yeah, it has a lot of different minority culture there. They all have like Miao people, Bai people, and then uh, Zhuang people. They all have some sort of metal. Uh, a lot of them like silver mm. ornaments, decorations, jewelry pieces that people wear at import on important days. And like, if unless you're someone who study the culture and the custom of that region, you will. Th- I don't think we will be very easily tell people apart. Like, if you put two people wearing their separate ethnic group traditional attire, you, it would be very hard for. Just a regular person to be able to tell. Wait a
0: sec. Could that be a TV show? So you have like people come out in different aesthetics or with different food, and then guests have to guess guess. where
1: they're from. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it would be fun to have foreigners read over all of the introductions and then see these people in real life and present them with the cuisines from that area, Mm. and then be like, "This is basically like a test. It's like you do your written test and then you do your." You would have you would have fifty six
0: episodes right away. Because you <laughs> pretty much each episode could be based around exploring. Anyways, too many ideas on this show. Yeah. Actually, recently. Because sometimes Americans are, they don't know as much as they think they know about China. (laughs) They sometimes I get people on social media saying, oh, there are no mosques in China. Last week I went out and I just put, I would literally open my phone Uh and I wrote into Didi mosque. And like a list of different mosques came down my phone. Which one do you want to go to? So I went to one called Tianmen mosque. Okay, And it was really hard to find. So like it's in the middle of a hutong, like a part of the city in the South, of the hutong so south inside the third ring road old city and we had to walk yeah. like t- 15 minutes to get to it but yeah it's a completely functioning operating uh mosque right in the middle of the city yeah and you know right around there are art galleries and uh, restaurants that are all like associated with their culture and it's just like a tiny little enclave yeah of Islam right there in the middle of the city so I posted that on social media I was like haha, and they're like yeah just one and so I was like okay no ne- next day <laughs> In the taxi again, went to the next one, and the next one was oh, I can't remember the name. Oh, Nyogia. A picture. Yes. Yeah, I went there and there's this huge, massive Chinese style, ancient mosque, more than a thousand yes. years old, and surrounding it, there are all these markets that have like Arabic writing and Arabic symbols. And yep. And it's like, uh yeah, post again. Po- finally, people just okay, fine. <laughs> so
1: yeah, okay, just speaking of Nyotia, I'm like, I know it's not directly related to, <laughs> but Nutia it has the it has the best uh beef and lamb that you could ever find in in Beijing like Yeah, yeah, I saw that Oh god, all of the little, you know, the little beef or lamb pies they make and then the hot pot in Yodia. If you go at dinner hours, you'll have to queue for like 2 hours. Like my friend has been trying wow. to get us to go and he's like, "You tell me which day you want to come. I will go 2 hours beforehand to to get us a spot. I'll wait for mm-hmm. 2 hours and then you come up from work and then we'll have like cuz I'm a huge fan of the traditional Beijing style hot pot with the lamb so yeah I think
0: that's not you know we talk about it and it's it's in the money and things like and, and, and there's a lot of like uh, representations trying to show people outside of China that how diverse China is but I don't think people outside of China really truly appreciate how complex diverse the the culture is and how well appreciated the minority cultures are here because there are so many little enclaves in Beijing and in Wuhan where like there are just totally different cultures like all mishmashing together and enjoying one another's culture enjoying one another's aesthetics so I, I think that is something that yeah. is under understood, is not understood. Well, it's
1: under understood, it's under understood. <laughs> I just
0: invented a whole yeah. new way of. Con- I
1: mean, I mean, people, it's yeah. just yeah. it things that you just don't know and you don't care to know because we're all we live in a in a day and age where everything's a sensation. As, as long as you know that sensation, you apply that to kind of you know, the, the entirety of what that group is. But even just taking the street that we're talking about, the cow the street, the, you know, that we we're just saying, like that area, I that area has over, like, I think it has like almost 30 different ethnic mm. groups people living there. And um they have more than just the mosque. They have like all of these kind of uh facilities specifically designed for Muslims to live there for their religious belief and for, you know, the convenience of their life. Mm. And that area is like, you know, we'll we'll put this hospital there that is, you know, easy for you to go visit, and they'll abide by all of your mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. rules and customs of your of your group. So you don't come here, you don't talk to people who live here you will never I guess that's something that you'll just never know
0: I, I was part of a media group last year as was a competition to be who's the coolest vlogger basically
1: yeah, did you win?
0: I, I got pretty far
1: uh, okay
0: <laughs> so one of the things that they did in, in the end because I became a judge for the final round
1: oh that's better than yeah, winning but
0: I got, um, yeah my little picture was in a tiny box on the screen anyways <laughs> <laughs> one of the groups went to Yunnan and they actually yep. studied one of the ethnic groups there and you know immersed with them and learned their dance and made some of their food with them. And it was like really, it's really extremely loved, even I would say. These the minority groups are fondly looked after, fondly viewed by the 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 larger public in China. But I want to actually switch gears a little bit here. Now mm. we were talking about America and Cowboy towns. Yes. So that's America looking at its own yes. history as an aesthetic. Mm. In addition to the fact that Chinese folks like to dress up in their chungs and mm-hmm. historical clothes. The- did I pronounce that right?
1: Oh, the, the suits, the traditional suits. Yeah.
0: I, you see that in a yeah. lot of parks. We've talked about that before.
1: Yeah, There is a special
0: cruise in Wuhan <laughs> that uh, exists. It is called the Jurien Cruise Ship. And I went on it. I was a little confused about what it was. One of my co-workers said, I said to my co-worker, I want to go on a cruise like on the Yangtze mm-hmm. River. Where should I go? And so she told me there's a cruise. You go here. You take it and you go out for a couple hours. It's really fun. You'll enjoy it. And so I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. And she said, she said, dress in traditional Chinese clothes. So I was like, okay. So I I put on my Kung Fu Shan and I was like, yeah, Yeah. I'm fat, it man. (laughs) And I went, I I went there and my wife dressed up. She dressed up in a uh, cheap, how I want to say. Yeah. Uh And we went there and everyone was dressing up and there was this huge, there's this huge cruise ship, but it's like 120 years old. I want to say. And uh, Mm. everyone, all the staff were all dressed up. And when we got there, I thought we were going to go in and have dinner and my wife and I were going to dance there was going to be like a party kind of thing but that's not what it was which yeah. it turned out better than i anticipated we got on and they divided you into groups so there's one group goes here one group goes there one group goes here so you follow instructions and it is a fully immersive yeah. interactive play. You are not dancing. There are professional dancers (laughs) there in like traditional clothes dancing Uh and they're acting out a play where there's a story to be told about these passengers who are taking a cruise from Wuhan to Shanghai yeah. in like the 1930s or, or something. So
1: you became the best dressed audience members out I, I
0: would have hoped so. But actually on the bridge <laughs> on the way to the boat, there are all these booths mm. where anyone can pay to dress up. So all the women were crimping mm. and beautifying themselves and putting on ch- cheap houses. I'd say about <laughs> half of the audience there was fully immersed and dressed up. I wasn't sure who, sometimes who was an actor <laughs> and who wasn't. It's like a flash mob. <laughs> yeah, and some of the parts of the boat, because they move you around, at different times to hear different parts of the play. Mm. They were actually, like, you know, close to you. Like, and they were just right there standing in the open, orating their lines and talking. Mm. So there was, for example, there was a man standing in front of an, anci- an old map where there were no bridges yet in Wuhan. Mm. And he was talking, he was looked dressed like an architect who was, you know, a hundred year old architect. And he's talking about how he wants to build a bridge. I think he was supposed to be a specific historical person who was an architect <laughs> okay. who designed one of the, br- yes. the first bridges in Wuhan. Yeah. And so he's just really immersed and unbreakable in his role and just talking about, you know, oh, we're going to build a bridge here and it's going to connect Wuhan and uh, obviously in Chinese. Yeah. And uh, th- th- <laughs> but there was you just, understood like, all there it. were dozens of actors and actresses all over the place, some of them like crying and telling their story about how they lost their daughter and they're looking for her and other people talking about like, oh, you know, I love this trip. It's so much fun. I wish my cousin could come and like it was really just amazing. And at the end, you come up to the top of the ship and by the time you get to the top, you realize you actually have already left port. Yeah. And you're literally the ship is now now cruising around in the Yangtze in Wuhan and you're under all the beautiful bridges and there's a party and a full band and everyone's it was it was a really amazing experience but what was great was for me is that it was an opportunity for Chinese folks to look at their own h- recent history mm. for them to immerse themselves in the aesthetic of China 100 years ago.
1: Kind of like an immersive way immersive performance yeah. but it's about the history of the region Yeah
0: it was really really amazing. Anyone who goes to uh, Wuhan if you're looking for something to do this is the thing you should go
1: Take through. notes everybody when you do get to travel you have your list just listen to all of our past episodes and you can have A thorough travel guide of Wuhan from Jason for free. (laughs) You're listening to The Bridge.
0: We have cowboy towns in Sacramento and Oakdale, and you have in China going to the park. And dressing up (laughs) in all of the traditional and standing in the like, I don't know what the term is. So I'm going to say Chinese gazebo. (laughs) Those little temples that are in the park and and people dress up and they take pictures of themselves. And just like in America, where you dress your kids up as cowboys, it's like a, a reflection of your own history as an internal aesthetic. I
1: guess when you look different, people like to be different. If you have a way of just coming off as the one has with a different aesthetics in your group, then you will do it. I would do it as long as I don't come off as, you know, appropriating other cultures, which is one of the things they need to think about.
0: You know, I did really interesting, I think, for Americans listening to this in terms of cultural appropriation, because the, I think it's looked on very differently in China, like dressing up mm. in Chinese clothing, attire. <laughs> so I, I dressed up in my... um. My kung fu shan, which is like a, a black, almost like a, a robe. Very comfortable, by the way. It is incredibly comfortable. If I could just wear that all the time.
1: I, I feel like we need to, yeah, we need to push this to, to people just so that they know how comfortable it is. And it's stylish. Yeah, and there I are different mean,
0: versions of it. So you can have different. You could do the Kuzo pants. I have the one that you wear pants, but you also have the robe that goes to the floor around it. It's, <laughs> I feel so cool. It's like. You should. It, I did a video <laughs> for my, of my vlog uh-huh. in China that was on Billy Billy and uh-huh. uh, Douyin and shigua uh, and Xiaohongshu. Uh, yeah. And I asked, hey, Chinese folks, this is the deal. If I were to wear this in China, I mean, in America, I would probably get in trouble. People would be like, hey,
1: stop appropriating Chinese culture.
0: You know, yeah. So I was like, <laughs> I want to know, how do you feel about this? And I got more comments for that video. Of probably. course. Any other one I did, and it was like, I don't know, hundreds of comments. It was nothing but positivity. It was nothing but like, wow, you look cool. You know, thank you for, you know, trying to appreciate our culture and stuff. I think it's different in America because the Chinese community has undergone prejudice. Yes. And they've endured credible racism. You know, there was a point in San Francisco Chinese Chinatown history where there were riots against Chinese people and they were tr- forcibly moved from one area to another. Yeah. And they, w- they were treated poor, almost like slaves when building the railroad. Yeah. And like, you know, they, they've endured a different kind of culture. So it's like when a Amer- white American dresses up like them, it's like, hey, you know, that's not cool because of all of these conditions whereas in China that those same conditions don't exist as in in the same way and so it's a different context
1: yeah I think we talked about this before and it's really just like when we see people from other cultures being interested in what our culture stands for we're like oh that's awesome you it's like you come to our like you visit my, my house and you're like oh wow this this couch looks really comfy and nice I'm going to sit on it and it, I will be like yes please like I'm very proud of my couch I'm not going to be like how dare you sitting on my furniture you know yeah,
0: it's very complicated I'm sure that books have been I was going to say could be written but I'm sure books have been written about this topic definitely Um. so I have not been to Chinatowns other than the one in San Francisco and the one in LA okay but you've been to Chinatown in New York could you tell us a little bit of a lot as much as you can actually be <laughs> what is it like what is new york's chinatown
1: like first off new york chinatown is in is at the tip the lower tip of manhattan so it's really crowded as you could imagine or as you've seen on on other in, movies. in other movies i mean new york is overcrowded but chinatown is more crowded and the establishments are on average just smaller than other establishments because you, if you know the shape of manhattan it kind of goes down it's like you know it's time the sand clocks it's like that at the tip mm, mm. and chinatown's kind of at the spot where it, everything goes super narrow um and it's kind of like i've never been to the chinatowns in san francisco and LA, but i imagine at least for san francisco it probably looks kind of similar to the chinatown in new york but of course when we talk about chinatown in new york we're talking about the actual neighborhood chinatown which is the original chinatown in Manhattan. And before I knew too much about other neighborhoods that have come up in our conversations a couple of times before, I was like, okay, I'm in New York. I'm gonna go to Chinatown to find the best dim sum, to best mm, to mm, find mm. the most authentic hot pot places. And of course, there are all of these little shops, the dollar stores or different shops and a supermarket that I talk about where I could actually go find more good quality Chinese stuff, not just random things that, that mm. random goods with Asian. Characters on them, and they'll ha- just have to do. And it's always an adventure for me for the first year because I am a huge noodle person. All of these people are like, you know, you should get on a healthy, healthier diet and cut down carbs. I'm like, unless you can find me a substitute for like noodles, I can't really cut down the carbs. Mm. And then I love that, you know, that the <laughs> beef noodle that's what we call like Lanzhou beef noodle mm. from the Northwest part of China, mm-hmm. where it's like a lot of like Muslim heavy, like Muslim. Muslim culture that that that's the kind of noodles that come from that area I love that thing to death but it's not so accessible in when I was in New York but there was one shop it's such a small shop Mm. in Chinatown and you would just I would just go and it opens late at night it opens on Christmas Thanksgiving when other restaurants are closed and when we were there we didn't have the family to celebrate with and we just go to have like a bowl of noodle soup to remind us of home, but mm. in New York Chinatown, what I love about it is that there is a uh, a museum there. Mm. It's called the Asian American History Museum. Hmm. And that museum, it's because I used to sort of work with the public library as a volunteer and we would have collaborations with that museum. So we were able to go in and do trainings, Hmm. which which means I get to just walk around the museum for free. I arrive a little earlier before the training session. And after the the students have left, I I would stay a little longer in there just to see. You nerd. Um, I love that. (laughs) It's really interesting. You know, it's Mm -hmm. it has It has a lot of pieces that you don't, you wouldn't think would belong in a museum, but like some pieces of document, or even like wardrobes or clothing, let's say that people used to wear um, in early days of of New York Chinatown, and you just—it's a small, compact establishment like the other. Establishments in Chinatown, but it gives you—it's kind of like you eat there, you could walk around the museum, you go buy something, um, and then it's also very close with Little Italy. Mm, and mm. so you kind of could—you could sort of spend a whole day there in New York. But mm. I have to say, I kind of abandoned the Manhattan Chinatown a short while after I had arrived in New York because I discovered Flushing. <laughs> <laughs> I just started I was like, it's worth the trek. It's—it's it's worth the travel from from Manhattan to to Flushing. I'll go there. It's more Chinese. (laughs)
0: You remind me of something. I've not been to New York's Chinatown, but Uh here in Beijing, one of the things I did a couple years ago was I did vlogs by going to museum after museum after museum after museum. Mm. I went to so many museums, I don't even know where one museum ends and the other begins because I went to like 50 museums Mm -hmm. in like one summer. But one of the museums we found was, I want to say, like an age, it's like a Chinese American history museum. I don't remember the exact name of it. It Mm -hmm. was two floors, i want to say and it had like newspapers from chinatowns in america and it had like nice yeah money that was used at that time and like people's passport photos people's visa photos of their visas mm. and like just stories and pictures of families and pictures from chinatowns in uh in america and it was a whole museum here in beijing wow it goes into great detail about you know migration patterns from china to america mm. and some some of those people who returned and made you know, their fortunes back in China again. Yeah. It's really interesting, like, the connection between Chinese people here and Chinese people who go abroad. A lot of them oftentimes feel very, very connected to their roots here in china yeah so i think that's really fascinating because you know i i don't know america's such a new place when americans go abroad do they do remain americans
1: like <laughs> I, I need
0: a cheeseburger
1: <laughs> i guess they still do <laughs> they're bringing shake shacks with them that's to right yeah.
0: yeah oh yeah you're listening to the bridge Well, I was thinking about the aesthetics of food because in our um, episode about Mid-Autumn Festival, mm. we were talking about how much of it is just about mooncakes and how like that is <laughs> t- such a huge, you know, that's the planet around which the other pieces of this festival orbit. And, uh, you know, my wife, she used to live in Singapore. She's mm. from here in China. She's from Shandong province. Mm. But she lived in Singapore. And one of the things that she does occasionally, she's like, I have to have Singapore food. Oh. So it's like, OK, so we go out for Singapore. Singapore food but when I was getting to think about it in Beijing there's food from like every country in the entire world Pretty so much. You, have Indian, you have Indian food and for Americans who are like desperate for hamburgers you can go like there are so many different places oh God. you can have a hamburger I could here. start
1: naming those burger places and it'll go on for five <laughs> minutes <laughs> alright well
0: why don't you name the number one or the number two best places to get a burger in Beijing
1: I'll say favorite because people always have different opinions about burgers mm-hmm. in Beijing if you ever visit or start if you're already war. here oh they will there's a burger cup every year in Beijing, if you haven't heard mm, the Burger the Cup. The Burger Cup. And people would literally bring out their best burgers to have everybody taste it. And there will be like a grand voting round for people to select their favorite burger. Wow. The best burger in Beijing. My favorite actually is actually burgers from uh Great Leap, mm. which is a Michael Brewery brand, and they've gone pretty big. They have, I think, three or four locations in Beijing, and they just recently opened in Chengdu as well. Their burger is just so simple. It just hits the spot, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. It's nothing too fancy. I've had fancy burgers where I paid, like, $130 for a burger... And it just it just didn't work at all. Like, I was so wow. disappointed. I'm not going to name the business because not I'm not, you know, I'm not <laughs> praising them. Um, there's Grey Leap. And then uh, I haven't had Shake Shack. I've heard that it's really greasy. So <laughs> but I don't know. Even in the States, I never had Shake Shack. I had Shake Shack in Greek, in in, Greek, in the States. And it was really good. I had the pop-up in and out here uh, two years ago, I think. And that was great. But it was only a pop-up. They were not going to come here. And then I also enjoy home plate Burger a lot but that's also because we go there every Thursday for trivia nights and I just always especially when I'm having a really rough day at work, usually I would crave some kind of Chinese food to kind of just get the edge off, but on Thursday I'm like, I am going to home plate, I am going to have that burger because <laughs> it's, it's called the Great Traditional American Burger so. so this
0: whole aesthetic thing kind of works in a microwave in just different individual restaurants wherever they are Absolutely. When, when I went to uh, the Philippines, I, I saw this place called Jollibee, it's like a fast food restaurant I've in heard Israel. of it I think yeah so my wife was like oh this is like a famous place I was like oh, okay sure yep. so we went in we had like some hot dogs and stuff and I put, took some pictures and posted it on my WeChat mm. and all of my friends from the Philippines who were living in like America oh and like in China <laughs> they were like oh my gosh I missed that place so much how did you oh please bring me some back uh-huh. and I was like whoa, whoa, I had no idea these photos were gonna just go so fire with this community mm. you know I feel the same way about Taco Bell and last year. <laughs> year, we talked about this before. Last year, they yes, opened a fancy Taco Bell at Liang Machiao around there. Mm. And uh, I went there and it's like for drinks and like, it's like bizarre. It's like a Taco Bell bar place. Yeah. But actually recently, I w- I had just come back to Beijing two weeks ago or uh-huh. so. And I was just walking on the street and I found this another Taco Bell, a new one on the west side. And it's a what? Taco Bell. A ta- you know how they have like Taco Bell pizza huts where they're like together? this is the Taco Bell Pizza Hut where it's like you go in one side and it's Taco Bell. One side is Pizza Hut sharing the same building. And like they have a flag outside that says Taco Bell and Pizza Hut at this. It, Slash Pizza yeah, Hut. Yeah, exactly. Just like you would see in America. It was very, it's very American looking. And this place is not a fancy drinks place. They only have their food menu. And I was like, this is perfect because it's on the west side, Beijing west side and like <laughs> and now it's like oh, it's God. not that far from my home so I'm like hey when I feel like have a you, guilty pleasure. So did you pleasure, try the food? Oh, oh yeah, yeah it was delicious. I mean they don't have beans. And it was good? It's not exactly the same as America because they don't have beans but they have rice and cheese oh. and meat and everything else. Okay. And they have their quesadillas were really good. You know what they don't have and this is a little frustrating if you work for Taco Bell I hope you're listening the little packets of sauce they don't have that. I went over and there's like a, a bucket with like packets in it it was ketchup and
1: it was not ketchup they put ketchup (laughs) what you can't put ketchup on this what is what okay to be to be fair i think there's still some it's not really domestication but i sometimes find myself when we order pizza and i ask for pizza sauce like like marinara (laughs) sauce extra and they will give me ketchup as well so I just have to make do. You
0: You know, know? it's really interesting because the Taco Bell here in China is almost exactly like Taco Bell back in America, except this. But if you go to like have quote unquote Chinese food at most establishments in America, my Chinese friends are like, this isn't Chinese food.
1: Like, (laughs) it's really not. It's something
0: else. I don't know what.
1: Completely. That's I think I I think we've had this conversation as well. Like sometimes if Mm. I cook for my friends that are not Chinese, especially, especially if that person's American, I would be cooking and the person would be like, oh, my God, it looks so cool. And they like the sound, uh, the smell of what I'm making. And they go, what's the sauce you're using? I'm like, do you mean, what's the sauce? And they go, is it brown sauce, red sauce? I'm like, it depends on how long I cook mm-hmm. it. It could be mm. red sauce if I stop cooking it at 20 minutes, Mark. Mm. If I cook it for 50 minutes, it'll definitely be brown. Eventually, it'll be black. <laughs> well, you know what? You can
0: actually find a lot of the things that Americans eat. Like, I was still obsessed with it when I first year or two. Mm. My wife and I, we went to Chufu, which is a small town in Shandong province Chufu where Confucius uh, yes. is from. Confucius. He's from there. Or at least he taught there. His, his temple is yeah. there. And I, I was like, I want orange chicken. So we went for like <laughs> <laughs> restaurants restaurant after restaurant asking do you have orange chicken mm. do you have orange chicken finally we did find a place and they were like yeah of course we have orange yep. chicken and it was like and I ate it it was similar to the American orange chicken but you know the, those dishes are served in China but they're not like all served in like one place where it's like yeah we just serve it's very different
1: yeah oh
0: yeah you're listening to the bridge I want to come back around to where we started, and that is looking at the aesthetics of these different places. You know, like Chinatown. So I want to actually talk about mm-hmm. San Francisco's Chinatown a little bit. Yeah. So my experience of San Francisco's Chinatown is primarily the, uh, I guess they call it the gate, the Chinatown gate or the dragon gate. Yeah. When I was taking an art class, it was between when I came back from South Korea and before i moved to China. I was there for one year. Uh-huh. I took a an art class at a city college of San Francisco. Yeah. The, they said, oh, you can get extra credit. 10%- Extra credit if you just carry a notebook <laughs> around with you and you write draw in it every day and you have like at least one hundred pictures by the end of the unit. And I was like easy, I'm gonna get an A in class. So yeah. one of the times I sat in the Starbucks, which is on the corner across mm. from the Chinatown Gate, right there, and I just sat there and it took me three hours to draw the Chinatown Gate. And you know why? Why the to The tiles on top. You can't. You have ah. to do tile after tile. It's tile after tile. I felt like I was. I was filling in the little bubbles on one of those. Uh, you have to use your pencil tests in h- high school. Or like your something. conscience
1: <laughs> wouldn't let you just do color blocks and be OK with it. In
0: retrospect, I could have just done some squiggles and then some squiggles and like made yeah, it. Kind of, right. But just- like <laughs> I actually drew every <laughs> tile. Because I was like, I want this, like, I want to get an A. I want to get an
1: A in this class. Oh, those days are gone.
0: <laughs> so, you, yeah, you go into it's, it's a huge place, San Francisco's Chinatown. Mm-hmm. You go up from there, up the street, literally vertically, practically, like it's a very hilly town if you don't know San Francisco. And there's all these shops everywhere. Can I tell one more story, actually? Yes, please. I was coming back from China my second trip to go see my family in California. Mm. And I thought, mm. oh, I want to ha- bring some Baijiu you know, white wine liquor for my family so they know what it's like. Yeah. And I was in the airport in Beijing, mm-hmm. and I was like, uh, you know what? I don't feel like carrying it. It's not inconvenient. I'll just buy it in Chinatown and then bring it there. Yeah. So I got to San Francisco's Chinatown before I went to see my family, mm-hmm. and I went to every single establishment in Chinatown. And you know what? They don't sell Baijiu.
1: That is You know what? That is almost true, maybe because I wasn't seeking out to buy Baijiu when I was living in the (laughs) U.S. But I did remember that there was a friend, his name is Bill. He started a Baijiu brand here and he speaks pretty much just perfect spot on Chinese. Mm -hmm. Um, And he started kind of a a cocktail Baijiu brand here Mm. in China. And after that business started doing better, he branched out to do bring the baijiu he makes here mm. to the United States. Cause apparently there's not a market yet, but I, I I think it's been a while since both you and me have been back in the States. I'm sure there's like a lot more, you know, easy to find on the shelves of these super like Asian supermarkets. Now I had baijiu for the first time, maybe I think in 2016, cause I couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to drinking that thing. It's so strong, but I had it in a Chinese restaurant in New York on 49th street and 10th Ave somewhere in that area. Mm. Um, And I had like a quarter of a shot glass. It's not even, you know, like a whole... Shots of baijiu. I just had a little bit, yeah, and I was like, nope, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, a lot of folks say that. it's really strange that you also feel that way. It's actually one of the only alcohols I still drink. Oh,
1: okay, now we know we're gonna drink next time we meet up. I
0: don't drink anymore very much, except when I go out with my wife's family. Yeah, but um, my wife's uncle got me on it. So when I first started dating her, mm-hmm. um, her mom sick. Her mom is in Shendo. So my wife's mom was like, oh gosh, we need to make sure we judge Jason by how much <laughs> alcohol. We- well, not just that, but we need to weigh him on the scales of is he appropriate for my daughter. Oh, so God. she has a, a brother living uh-huh. in Beijing. Yeah. So he's my Jojo, right? So he he yes. invites us out like a couple times a year still to this day. But at that time, it was like to see, oh, who is this foreigner trying to date, you know, my niece? And so like <laughs> he would give me these little tiny shots. So you say about a quarter of a shot, uh, like a typical shot. That's actually about what you're supposed to drink at a time. Yep. You get these tiny little. Yes. I want to say champagne glass Looking things or wine, but they're tiny. Um, they're super tiny, and they have about yeah. a quarter of a Western shot of alcohol in it. Yes. And then you have this little carafe. This a tiny carafe which has about four total shots of a, four or five servings. And so yeah. you pour for your friend, not you or your family member, mm. into these tiny little shot glasses, and you cheer each other. Yeah. The older person cheering slightly higher, and you just drink tiny amounts of baijiu at a time. Yeah. The first couple times I drank it, it did make my throat feel a little burny. You know, like a yeah. Oh yeah, this is a it's warm but actually after i drank it three or four times um, i really developed a taste for it in terms of hard liquor i think it's my preference i like it more than whiskey more than vodka more than all these others yeah
1: yeah i mean i did start drinking it when i went to guilin last year when we were drinking with some of the the business people we were working with and they gave us really mm. good by and we were able to when you drink it mm. with the the mini tiny champagne glass that we're talking about like when jason and i say it's mini it's tiny it's really small. It's like tiny, tiny, tiny glass.
0: <laughs> it's like a thimble of alcohol. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> it's the idea of Baijiu. You're not really drinking that much. Well,
0: one of the ideas is that it's about fragrance. Yes. So, it's, so the smell of it is supposed to, you know, people in America, you'll know this because we grow a lot of sorghum yeah, in America. Yeah. And we export this sorghum to China and a lot of the higher quality sorghum that gets exported becomes gets baijiu. turned into bai, become, becomes Baijiu. The lower quality sorghum goes to like livestock and stuff but the very high quality sorghum ends up turning into the very high quality baijoes. Yes, absolutely. The
1: friend uh named Bill that I was talking about, he actually did a little bit of a mm. baijo mm. tasting thing, ranging them from different types of like fragrance that they have. And you have just taste a little bit of each one. And I was like, oh and he's like, I want to, which I think should be done, you know, in the in the US or somewhere else or even mm. just internally. Domestically with people, he's like, I want people to appreciate Baijo like people appreciate wine mm-hmm, and whiskey. Mm-hmm. You know, like you need to taste it, you need to understand mm-hmm, and appreciate mm-hmm. it.
0: You know, what's really interesting is that I have yet to see a Baijo cocktail. <laughs> so, like, I actually, I tricked some folks into drinking a, a Baijiu cocktail one time because mm-hmm. I ran out of scotch or something I was putting into uh, sangria. <laughs> I ran out of the hard alcohol we were using for sangria. So I started using Baijiu secretly in the kitchen where people weren't looking. People had a great time. <laughs> they didn't even realize. <laughs> people who would ordinarily say, I don't drink Baijiu, uh-huh. they drank Baijiu. And they were like elated. <laughs> I will
1: I will fulfill your wish if you are willing to taste it. I'll take you to places in Beijing where there are Baijiu based cocktail. Wow!
0: So there are wow. So yes. is, are they the same? Is it just like a, a different cocktail, but now it has Bajo instead? So it's it's just orange juice and Bajo instead <laughs> of orange juice and vodka.
1: The ones that I've had are all kind of designed around the taste of Bajo because it still it has a very different whatever you call it like the taste and then aftertaste than other liquor. So I imagine you'll have to change up the recipe of other cocktails. um There used to be this place called Capital Liquor or Capital What Something. It's it started by the guy that i've been talking about and they do they don't do just tasting they also Mm. do cocktails that are Specifically, baijiu cocktails, and we went to this Mexican restaurant. Funny enough, the other day, uh, in the Wudang Hutong area, and they, my friend, ordered a baijiu cocktail. I
0: want to tuck this back into our bigger topic here. So the reason I bring this up about Chinatown is that you go to Li Huang Pi, oh, and yes. it's not exactly like Italy or like France. Mm. It, it has elements that don't really belong that are kind of mix mashed with itself, which is okay. Yeah. What's interesting is Li Huang is all the people I saw running mm. the individual, they're all Chinese folks. Like I didn't see like an Italian guy in making the in cappuccinos or whatever in the cafes. If you go to Chinatown, mm. almost all of the businesses are operated and run by second and third, fourth generation Chinese folks. Yeah. But what's really interesting is that some elements of Chinese culture that... I take for granted as existing because I've lived here in China don't yeah. completely still fit. You know, you go to Chinatown and you want to buy Baijiu, the Chinese liquor, and it's not even there. By the way, that's an export business we need to get on. <laughs> Alex, we, we figured and this yes, is a new business idea. Yes, we should. <laughs> but, but, you know, like... Yeah keeping These notes, aesthetics keeping that notes. are interplayed I'm sure if you go to old Sacramento it's not like actually being in a cowboy town mm. it's interesting we step into this other aesthetic this other reality and it, it is only a representation of the real thing so for those of you who've been to Chinatown if you want to know what China's like you gotta come to China
1: <laughs> yeah, that is a very <laughs> good point to make and almost the most important one for the entire episode as much as we love having a place that reminds us of home we're living abroad it's not exactly what home is like 100 so well, uh
0: it's always a great pleasure talking with you please join us next time on the bridge where we connect
1: east and west always lovely talking to you too jason i'll see you next time